This podcast is part of the 80s Ruled Network. Visit the 80s Ruled on Facebook for more 1980s awesomeness. Something's starting to happen. Something's percolating. Here it comes. Oh, I feel it. Oh, I feel a tingling. <laughs> There's a burning sensation. Wait, uh, he didn't push the button for you to have any sensations, though. Any? Oh, it's natural. Well, no, that's, that's that's a different sensation. That's a different. Yeah. Okay, yeah. that's attached to my seat. Since Cat's doing callbacks, I'll say maybe it's related to a talcum powder issue. That was easy. All right, <laughs> now we're you. done. We've completed the cycle. I was waiting for John to do a callback too. And now we can move on with the show. Oh, uh, hey. I chose the easy button. What? Because I chose the easy button. Okay. Easy. Hey. Thank you. Wait, wait till Will says hey again, and then we'll interrupt once more. <laughs> that was a test. <laughs> hey, welcome back to another episode of 1980s Now, a weekly examination of the importance of 1980s pop culture. And it is important. And it continues mm-hmm. to be important. My name is Will, and joining me as always are my friends. I'm a co-host, Cat and John. Hey, guys. Am I your friend, Will? Oh. Ooh, am I still your friend? Oh, wait, what? Sounds what? like what? Cat heard last week's show. Wait, have you, you forgiven me wait, what? for in having my 1980s <laughs> now experience? Oh. Wait, you're ni- Oh, I see. Oh, I'm trying to put it back on me. Very clever <laughs> of you. <laughs> have you had your fill, or we could expect you to use any more sick days? <laughs> <laughs> that's, love- that's personal leave and she earned it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. Thank you, John, because I love how Will suggests that I was somehow showing a lack of commitment She's looking at to notes. the show as if, as if that's a thing she, that even exists Kat in the timeline. Kat has prepared a statement for you, Will. <laughs> Can you imagine being so angry you write it down? Right. And also, read it. She didn't just write it and down as catharsis. You're saying I suggested you have a lack of commitment. <laughs> well, also, I love how, mm-hmm. um, well, I got to tell you guys, this made me laugh. Will mm. questioning my commitment to the show and John naming himself as my enabler really makes mm. me sound like a drug addict. Oh, jeez. Oh, <laughs> so, so, but, yeah. but really, what you're I addicted f- to is the nostalgia. Oh, mm-hmm. yes. oh my gosh. Ooh, ooh. Which brings me to a question I want to answer that I didn't answer very well, a question mm-hmm. very well, right? That uh, John asked after my first Duran Duran concert, <laughs> which was what was my favorite moment. But so I was really paying attention this oh, time. Okay. And again, it's not one moment. It was, but it was the structure of many moments. Okay. And it was about connection. It was about how like all of us there and them on the stage, like we were so connected. <laughs> because like everybody's singing along, everybody like knows every right. word and there's a whole call and response thing. And Simon kept holding out the microphone. And so we're all, you know, do, 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 doing, do, do, and, and no, no. And Bob, 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 Bob. Wait, what songs are those? <laughs> Can we play a game here? Yes, please. Yeah. What go. was the first one? Do, do, doing. Okay. I'll do a better job. Do, 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 yes. Okay. How about the second one? What, what was the second, the second one? one? Uh, I didn't hear it again. The no, do, do, da. No. What was it? No. Notorious? No. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> and then the last Ding! one. Ding! There, there's oh, no sound effects of this game. Yeah. <laughs> He's looking for it. 
Yay. The last one might be a little deep cut for you okay. guys. Ba, 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 ba. Got nothing. Nothing? This Sounds like New York, New York. Earth. Oh, we got it wrong. New York, New York. Oh, that was amazing. So, but I just want to point out, yeah. I felt very supported by John listening to the okay. last episode. Mm-hmm. Very supported by John. And well, by contrast, and how did you feel toward Will after that episode? Yeah, and okay. I also felt supported by Will. Oh, she's because oh. because I realized his consternation came from a place of appreciation. Yes, and I felt missed. <laughs> Exactly. And, and I also did miss you guys. And in fact, Aww. what I really wanted to do, I was plotting this. I seriously, around five o'clock, I was plotting to take many pictures and spam you guys yeah. during mm. the time that you would be recording. Uh-huh. But then I remembered, oh, they're interviewing someone. Oh no, I can't mess that up. So I didn't do it. <laughs> so I was trying to be supportive of the show and not be mm-hmm. a nudge. <laughs> well, you heard what John had you doing. You were wearing a wet GoPro on your helmet and yes. a mosh pit. So, in, in the Duran Duran mosh pit? Yeah. Oh, that would have been yeah. A and broken hips. And oh, yeah. I heard all about that. Yeah. <laughs> so then I felt a little less supported by John, maybe, with the broken hips. Uh, okay. Reference, fair. Yeah. <laughs> it's fair. That's totally fair. Well, you know, uh, yeah. I, I guess our real hope is, and after all this, is that you've had enough of seeing them in person. So that you can just be on the show now and you're hoping <laughs> I've seen enough. Or maybe hope against hope. <laughs> okay. All right. What am I if if there's, you know, last minute addition to the if they come to Philadelphia, man, on a yep. Thursday, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> if they just you know <laughs> I'm tossing out so many retorts. Oh no! <laughs> <laughs> they're they're coming to him because he's evaluating them, dismissing them as too harsh, and then moving on. And he has yet to come up with one he can use. My wife said to me recently, and she was referring to when I'm in person with Cat. Okay, like, hey, you gotta huh? stop being so mean to Cat. I was like, you mean on the show? She's like, no, like when you're standing five feet away from her. Wow. I was like, oh, okay. I. Hmm. Wow. You're not mean. So to I'm not me. saying anything. And you know it's what you said? Fun. You said, I'm I used said. to it. People tease me that. all the time or something like that. I did say something like that. Yeah. And then I said, well, it doesn't make it right. And I'm going to change it right now. All right, whatever. What are we doing? Is this an intervention for me or for Kat? I, I have no idea anymore. <laughs> John, hey, welcome to the 1980s <laughs> yes, now please. show. We take an objective take look at pop culture in the 1980s, etc. <laughs> and so on. Hey, on to, speaking of that, on today's show, we're going to be speaking with Brian Volkweiss, the CEO of the yeah. Nacelle Company. And first you're thinking, well, I don't know what either of those things mean, but you know them. And you know Mm -hmm. Brian's work because they are the producers, creators of the toys that made us, the movies that made us, those fantastic Mm -hmm. documentaries on Netflix, and many others just like it. And now they're bringing us Icons on Earth, Star Wars, which is a Mm -hmm. documentary series about Mm -hmm. Star Wars. And even if you think you know everything there is to know about Star Wars, I guarantee you Mm -hmm. there's a lot to be learned. I think I know a lot about Star Wars, but I was captivated mm-hmm. fascinated and part of it's the style in which they tell these stories but oh i love the style of these documentaries yeah they're so fun and funny yes mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. funny yeah and i'm curious yeah. because brian's background i've learned is in comedy so i wonder if that informs his, mm-hmm. this style the sort of lighthearted nature which doesn't I, detract from the you know you know the information that you get sir mm-hmm. yeah no it yeah. enhances it it absolutely enhances it yeah i'm captivated yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a, what is the uh, 
what is a spoonful of honey makes the medicine go down or whatever they say. Yeah. You know, it's like, it's like <laughs> stuff that could be, these topics aren't dry, but they yeah. could be dry. It could be easily right. be if you just let's rattle through the mm. facts. Mm. But mm-hmm. so much of what they do is laced with that little bit of humor and funny sound effects here and there, but mm-hmm. not slapstick. It's it's so tasteful and it's, oh yeah, it's I can't wait to talk to them. Yes. Yeah, that makes me think that I, I, the challenge for them would be do a show about something that would be boring that I wouldn't want. You know, take a Ken Burns documentary and mm. redo it in his style. And maybe I'd be interested in watching something about, I don't yeah. know, the Civil War. Or the National Parks. Yeah. This yeah. was year two of Prohibition. Yeah, exactly. Still nobody drinking anything. Yeah, exactly. I wonder what Tune in be, next week. What would Brian's take be on that? His, you know what exactly. his take would be? The narrator would be drinking during that documentary. He would be drunk the whole time. <laughs> yeah, drunk the whole time. He would be exactly. sloshed. Yeah. That'd be great. The sound bites clinking right. and bar fights. And, yeah. Brian, if you hear this, you can use that. No, no right. attribution no, no, required. Yeah, go go right for on. it. Before we talk to Brian, though, we're going to review current news stories related to 1980s media. Uh, in a moment, we're going to be chatting about, um, let's see, the uh, return of a product that will be... Return of a product that will be terrifying. Um, uh, A return of a product that terrifies us for its sugar content. Oh. I don't know about that. And (laughs) I will confess to you how I feel about a new movie trailer that just dropped. I don't know. That's what you get on the phone. Wow. Okay. (laughs) Very nice. Very nice. All right. Hey, (laughs) let's get caught up on 1980s news. Why wait? Why wait? Why did I even tease what we're just about to talk about? So much <laughs> it was less than a minute ago. But speaking about that, uh, and up this up in 1980s news this week, as we learned from the street.com and, and grocery store aisles, uh, General Mills <laughs> is bringing back, now this, you guys read this article. This has got errors yeah. in it, right? It's not bringing mm. back four classic 80 cereals. It's bringing back one. Right. Because the other right. three have been around every year for, I don't know, 15 years now or something. Yes, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're, they're here and back all the time. Yeah. They, they're seasonal now. Yes, right. Yes, yes. Right you are. Uh, so, but, but, uh, so get everybody else caught up, but nothing, look, we are suckers for nostalgia is why we do the show, whether it's a toy, we're talking about what we love movies or toys or purchasing those things. You know, John's got a lot of stuff that he's, uh, had or coveted as a child uh, of the 1980s. Um, mm-hmm. yep. But there's something about tasting something from your childhood that's, you know, more transport. This is that word again. Transportive? Transportative? Transportative. I don't know. It's Trans- transmogrifies. What did John say? Uh, <laughs> then, transports. Then, yeah, transports. Okay, the transport you. And according it's to transcendent, Tom, in fact. Transcendent, in fact. According to Tom mm-hmm. Dixon, who's the chief growth officer at Post Consumer Brands, as he told the progressive grocer in 2021, we're seeing that consumers are drawn to taste that remind them of their childhood and help elicit feelings of nostalgia and comfort. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's no surprise that while we've got this confusing news about uh, the Choco Taco's potential demise, uh, that other brands are looking to continue to leverage uh, bringing back our favorite treats. And General Mills is doing exactly that, bringing back a cereal that was discontinued in 1982. Mm-hmm. And I had quite frankly mm-hmm. forgotten about, but I bet you John hasn't because he's like an expert on these kinds of things. Oh yeah. He may have a John box he got not. from eBay that's still sealed from 1982. <laughs> Last year when they came out with these uh, monster cereals, which right. we're talking about Count Chocula and Frankenberry mm-hmm. and Booberry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, now some years ago they changed the formula. So even though you said that, you know, Hey, it's a taste from our past yeah. kind of, cause no. they changed the formula. And it's not Did quite they? the same, but yeah, oh, that's, they still count Chocula is the best across the board. Yes, but, what we 
didn't get for many years, like you said, since 82, was Fruit Brute, Brute. who's the werewolf. (laughs) And what is the fruit? They actually changed it from a real word fruit to spell, so they didn't have to act like it was real fruit in it. But he's like a cherry flavored cereal. Uh, (laughs) And we're still waiting for Fruity Yummy Mummy, which has not come back yet. But, but, oh. Oh, oh, got oh my gosh! What is There's this? There's a prop. A four pack there, of. There's this is my. Prop. This is the box set from the relaunch. Oh, so oh it's got fruit brute, Count Chocula, Frankenberry, and Booberry all in a giant. Look at this enormous. Is that the, is that the Monster Mash one where they're all mixed together? Or no, no, no. It's a four pack. They're all so inside of here. That's yeah. Wow. When did you get that? I just about a week ago. Oh, so they I'm have probably, it now. Oh, fantastic. Yeah, not in stores yet. I had to order it online because it's not in stores yet. Okay. But, oh my uh, gosh. <laughs> I couldn't wait. I'm going to have to compare them because I did a taste test, a video on Gen X Grown Up. I'm like, let's say what these taste like now. And they, oh. so I got to do a four pack taste test now. So I got this giant one. I wish you guys were here. We could get some milk yeah. and some spoons. Oh my so gosh. we could AB them. I'd so, crack it open. John. Well, I couldn't good. do the AB thing. No. Because I have to confess something. Oh, yeah. oh, oh! I've never tasted any, any of those? those. No. Get out! Get out, cat! Go watch Duran Duran. <laughs> Do something else. <laughs> we had all manner of junky cereal in our house, but it was like oh. never did those. And Cookie Crisp of all things. Oh, I love. Cookie I like Cookie Crisp. crisp. Yeah, well, Cookie Crisp is good. Not, not the way I had it, but oh. I would oh. love to have tasted those. <laughs> and it just never ended up in our house. So. Oh. Mm. Um, yeah. John, you said they changed the formula. Is it? it, it do you remember the, a ta- it tasting different? I usually have it every Halloween, Count Chocolate in particular. I don't I, remember I, it changing, but I don't know how I would necessarily recall. I, I don't either, specifically, like you said. So there was a period of time in my life when I wasn't embracing, like I was trying to grow up, uh-huh. you know. <laughs> it was like probably in the, in the mid-90s, and I'm like, I'm an adult now. Stop right. playing with toys and crap like that. And I wasn't buying sugary cereals and stuff. And then I realized, you know, probably when I turned 45 or so, I'm like, why am I denying myself all the stuff that I Mm -hmm. love the most? So there was a gap in there. I wasn't like collecting toys and getting my monster cereals and stuff. So somewhere in there, they changed it from the original oat flavor to Mm. whatever cardboard it is now. And so Mm. it really Mm. comes down to how the marshmallows taste. That is what (laughs) gives the whole cereal its flavor, even they're different colors and stuff. And that's why count Chocula turns the milk chocolatey and it's delicious. And right. you just, you drink the milk when you're done. It's like, oh, it's like taking a shot. It's a shot yes, of Jaeger at the yes. end of your night of drinking. It's like, oh, I get a shot of choco milk at yes. the end of my bowl of the chocolate cereal. Chaser, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I don't remember Fruit Brute. I remember the mummy one and I, I didn't look ah. it up, but I, I did. I do remember that one. Um, Fruity yummy mummy. It's funny that you talked about how they changed it to fruit to fruit, F-R-U-T-E. But yeah. like they still have, uh, you know, Frankenberry and Booberry. Berry is a word too, right? I mean, there's probably no berries in it. <laughs> but that's a word that really means a fruit. I mean. Yeah. Hmm. yeah. Well, but it's not yeah. like Frankenberry is his name. He can't help it. You know, it's like oh. if, if your name was Bob Asparagus, you know, it's like. <laughs> oh. There's no asparagus in me. Right. Just, exactly. So we'll make it away so. with that. Yeah. But oh yeah, I haven't even cracked this open yet. I'm so excited oh, too. Wow. And Fruit Brood is back. I've yeah. certainly not tasted Fruit Brood. Yeah. Not since 82, even before that. I don't know when that came out, but probably in the wow. I don't know, late 70s I had Fruit Brute. It's been too long. Yeah. I got to well, run out and get yeah. me some of this. So the Monster Series were first introduced in 1971, <laughs> but as we mentioned, the Fruit Brute was discontinued in 1982. And although the other three boxes have been coming back for, I guess, again, the better part of, I don't know, maybe two decades now, usually mm-hmm. around Halloween time because they're monsters. 
Uh, this year, we're going to have all four, and there's going to be a slight twist. That's a high art twist, because uh, according to General Mills, quote, the, in, the inspired by classic horror film characters, the monster serials have been fan favorites. And this year, renowned American artist and monster enthusiast Cause was inspired by the vintage styling of the original boxes. And so Cause actually yeah. redesigned the look of the boxes. Ah. If you're familiar with Cause's work, a lot of it is taking yeah. uh, something familiar and Putting axes through its eyes and some other and, little and putting bones in their head for some their, reason. Some co- oh. it looks like cauliflower. You can, you can here, like, yeah, it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sure there's some artsy fartsy guy that's like, oh wow, look, cause they've put bones in their head, and it looks really cauliflower just ears. Not good. I love cauliflower yeah. ear. It's now, delicious. I will little cheese <laughs> sauce for you guys. If you guys don't uh-huh. know, cause is uh, actual name is Brian Donnelly. That's not a big secret, right? But he's also from Jersey City, New Jersey. Mm-hmm. Hey, and he's lived a block over from me, and he's the little brother of my good friend. And I DJ'd his first communion. Wait, what? <laughs> Brian Donnelly's first communion. I DJ'd this, that. This yeah. is all true. Did you? This is all true. Yeah. Oh. So of course I reached out to them and said, "Hey, can, will Brian come on the show?" Wow. <laughs> and they were like, "We'll get back to you. He's really busy right now." He's a busy guy. And they never got back he, to me. So thanks, he's Brian. He's busy redesigning Fruit Brute. Sorry, no time for this little podcast. I just want to say I gave you a discount on that. Your parents. I gave him a discount. <laughs> but, Will, we didn't pay for four straight hours of Eye of the Tiger. That's the thing. You need variety but it. was in popular it. then. Mix it up. Uh, sorry. <laughs> I'm not returning your calls. All right. Hey, in other 1980s news, you know, just a few days after we did this episode about getting caught up on nearly three dozen uh, reboots, what, remakes, sequels of 1980s TV shows and mm. films, the trailer for Confess Fletch was released. What are your... Thoughts. Mm-hmm. I I would watch it. Mm-hmm. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make it a big goal. Okay. I'm not gonna say, oh, I just gotta go as soon as no. this comes out. If somebody said, hey, you want to watch this? I'll say, yeah, sure. And okay. I'm sure I will find it funny. But um, I I don't feel I don't feel like it's a mm-hmm. must see. Yeah, it's <laughs> fine. Yeah, I've distilled it down to one word, and it, I don't mean this derogatorily, but shit, underwhelmed. <laughs> Okay. Underwhelmed. 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 Like I was expect. I don't know what I was expecting, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. this was not enough of whatever that was. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. I was just kind of. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, all right, it's there might be a little humor in it, and they kind of like if it's supposed to be a comedy. Show me some funny parts. Mm-hmm. Right. Is this the funniest stuff you have? Or right, you if this is the best well, the, of it in the trailer. Right. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. And didn't you say, well, they went back to the original novels for that's this right. guy? Is that yes. right? So maybe oh, they're, right. you know, they're clean palette and they, mm-hmm. it's not a slapsticky thing. Not that Fletch was pure slapstick, but I mean, it had components of that, but. Oh, sure. Yeah, underwhelming. It just was like, oh, okay. It looks like a movie. I mean, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm sure it's okay, but it didn't grab me. Right. How'd you feel about it, Will? Um, yeah. I, I guess, you know, <laughs> it's sort of, we talked about this when we talked about the reboots, et cetera. And John, you made a good point about this, like being able to, if you're able to, if there's a way, if there's a way you're able to sort of not compare it to the original, then you're you're okay in a sense. Like you said, if you've got mm-hmm. a spinoff, all right, it's not a direct thing. If it's not a remake, yeah. This for me, I don't. I guess because they went back to the source material, they're not continuing the Chevy Chase character. I don't even know what that would mean. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like clean slate. If I just treat it like a new movie that came out, I knew nothing mm-hmm. about it. I'm interested. Mm-hmm. It's got that knives out kind of cozy murder mystery vibe that I'm like really into now. And I can't find enough shows like this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, cozy murder so, mystery. It's a whole category. Co- yes. I didn't know about it. It's a genre. The first I heard of it was at your house, actually. Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, my yeah. Wife so you didn't make that up? That's a thing oh, already? Yeah. 
My wife oh, reads I, books in that's that. That's perfect description. That. I get yeah. that. Yeah, mm-hmm. I get it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Agatha Christie's considered like a classic sort of one like that. Nothing too horrible happens. Even though people are murdered, it's not very right. gory. It's just, yeah, yeah, they're yeah. just dead. Relax. Just part of life. Of, <laughs> it's just kind of fun to have, the, you know, sort of solve the mystery together, you know, with the protagonist. Um, so that's what I get. That's the vibe again. If, if, and then if that's the case, uh, I'm all for it. And so mm-hmm. uh, I don't even know if I mentioned this. And the, the star, as we talked about before, mm-hmm. is John Hamm. But uh, Hamm. you've yes. also got Roy Wood Jr.'s in there, Marsha Gay Harden. And John Hamm's Mad Men co-star, John Slattery, is back as the newspaper editor. And if, you, if you've seen the first film, you, you know that uh, oh. you're familiar with uh, that character. Um, but one person who does not appear in the film, even as a cameo, Chevy Chase. Not at uh, all. And Greg Matola made a comment that they didn't bring him back because they're doing something new. We're going back to the book. And he said, mm-hmm. uh, quote, there's a lot of things Chevy did that aren't in the Fletch books. His mm-hmm. style of comedy, his slapstick, all the different mm-hmm. names and disguises. We thought mm-hmm. it wouldn't be right to steal them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we reference the original. We pay homage to it. But we really try to balance it halfway between the detective mystery and the comedy, possibly more than the original. So. I like that approach. Yeah. I think that's great. They're not just trying to rehash something that already happened. Yeah. You know, when I first asked you about what did you think about it, I thought, uh, well, hey, I want, let me put it on and you guys can watch it. And rea- How do you guys feel about React videos? Or maybe I should just save this for one minute of bitching about shit that's new that I hate. <laughs> <laughs> mm. I don't, I've seen a couple. Yeah. I think they can be funny, but I'm not addicted to them. <laughs> Was like- that the question? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I think about earlier when Kat said we said she was an addict. Now she's more interventions. Yeah. Now she's denying things. We're not even asking about her oh, no. possible substance <laughs> issues. John, do you ever get use react videos as a source of anything? I, I have watched a couple. Um, mm-hmm. Typically it's just, I want to see some youngsters reaction to mm-hmm. something in pop culture, music or sure. movie that they've never seen before. I, see. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I've done a reaction video on mm-hmm. my YouTube channel when the mm-hmm. Frogger Oh. The TV oh. show game came out. I did a reaction to the the game show about Frogger. John, that was my favorite. Because you're like, really? Hi, Frog. Because you said, oh, there he is. Hi, Frogger. Hi, Frogger. You were talking to him. It's, in, order, in order for a reaction video to be of any relevance, it has to be, the person either has to be of note or interesting enough for me to care what they think about it. Otherwise, just mm-hmm. show me the thing. Yeah. 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 All right. I, because I forgot John does those videos. That's all. Let's leave it at that. Okay. No, go ahead. Tell us what you have I mean, to come on, crap kid, on. This them, is please. my, and I've said this to my kids before because I see them watching a lot of React videos yeah. or they used to mm-hmm. when yep. I'm sort of first coming out. Mm-hmm. Just uh-huh. go do the fucking thing. <laughs> you want to know what the trailer or how it is, how to feel about it? I mean, why are you watching this guy watch it? Just watch the trailer. Just play the game. Just watch the okay. movie. But it can be really funny. I think it's a personal preference thing that one of the ones yeah. that I have seen is was these two was it two young young people watching or listening to Phil Collins in the air tonight? Oh, I've seen that. Or part of it, yeah. Yeah, right. me too. Yeah. And it's actually pretty hilarious because they're like, oh, you know, like they, yeah. because they have this strong reaction, yeah, you know, but, they're just kind of so it mm-hmm. can be amusing. Um I, I just think it's a personal thing. So it's just a thing. different form of entertainment. There are yes. a couple of facets. Yes. One of them could be entertainment, like Kat said, and that is seeing someone react to something they've never seen or heard before, and you know what's coming. Mm-hmm. So you're in on the joke. You get to mm-hmm. see it coming. Mm-hmm. The other is, yes. look, you, you read movie reviews, you read music reviews. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, if a friend goes to see a film, you're like, so what did you think of everything everywhere all at once? You want to know. So if the person doing the reaction is someone no. 
for whom you're interested to know what they think about it to help inform your complete mm-hmm. picture of it. That's the other reason for it. So I'm guessing your kids are probably watching something for mm-hmm. someone with whom they have a connection, even if it's not direct. Yep. It's like, oh, I love the things they love. Let's see what they think of this thing. Mm-hmm. But right. it's definitely abused because people get instant notoriety and fame by riding on the coattails of like, we're doing Phil Collins <laughs> yep. and who cares who you are. That's yeah. probably what pisses right. me off. Right. It's right. a shortcut yeah. creating, creating content. Mm-hmm. I'll just watch your yes. content. I think I see right. what you mean. Yeah, we live in an age of witnessing people's reactions to things. Like yeah. social media is right. just, you know, like, yep. we're, we're, we're always doing that. But it, it seems like a very focused way of doing that. And yeah, you know, it's, it's uh, anybody could do it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right, where's the more you know so I can play it for myself? Uh, <laughs> the end of my soapbox. Oh, hey, you know, the good news for me, I think, is that this is the type of film I don't wouldn't rush. Like Kat said, I'm not going to rush run out to the theaters to see it, but no. it's going to be released in theaters and on digital and on demand September mm-hmm. 16th. So no matter how you want or prefer to see it, you're going to get to see it at the same time. I'll probably yes. watch it soon after it's released again because I'm clamoring for, I'm starving for this type of uh, cozy uh, murder mysteries. Cozy murders. Cozy murder. <laughs> it's really the best kind of murder if you think yeah. about it. Mm. Yeah, you know, it makes, makes you feel all warm and snuggly yeah. inside. Yeah. Curl up with a, with a good book and a hatchet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, John, John did it. Uh, he's the murderer. All right. Uh, hey, <laughs> can't prove it. that was 1980s news. <laughs> All right. Hey, take a moment, please. Pause. If you're listening on a platform, a podcast platform, subscribe, follow, whatever they call it there that helps us get recognized by or found by other folks that are searching for this type of content. Write a review. Give us five stars. Do something, will you? For crying out loud. It's free. The least you could do is scribble a couple of notes about how much Fun you're having listening to Will and Cat. I mean, really. Yes. And to a and to a, and to a lesser degree myself. Yeah, but don't give us bad reviews because of John. All right, just send them straight to him at his John at yeah. Gen X Grown Up. Straight to whatever. me. Yeah, I'll, I'll take. All right. It. So hey, um, in a moment we're going to be speaking with our guest today, Brian Volkweis, who's the CEO of the Nacelle Company. God, again, this company, this guy, just such a big fan, you know. And it's, it's, I guess now becoming more familiar with him, having watched interviews and uh, you know read some interviews with him and seeing him just seems like a great guy. And I'm so appreciative that he exists because he's just found another angle to, you know, bring to us again or in a new way, stuff that we love, you know, that we grew up with. And since they did that, right, there's so many now people trying to copy this style, you know, of the Uh something that made us or- yeah, I saw one, I want to say it was like mm-hmm. History Channel or somewhere that was like uh, the secret origin of toys. Mm. And like, Ooh. this is like another flavor of the toys that made us. Yeah. And mm-hmm. they didn't find that balance between information that's interesting and humor. And they felt more like they were just poking fun at all the people like Mm. something about the cell company, just they've dialed it in. And I, I can't wait to hear what he has to say about that. The style they've developed. That's interesting. You just made me think of something. You know, I've had so many folks to me recommend the big bang theory. You're going to love it. You love all the stuff they love. And I said, you know what? I haven't watched it, but what I've seen like on Mm -hmm. TV commercials a bit, or my, someone that I know was watching it Mm -hmm. is they seem to make be making fun of those characters mm-hmm. to me. Yeah. And it bothers me because I love those people that love those things because I'm one of them. I, a good friend of mine, I can't take credit for this, but I've watched some of The Big Bang and I've been mildly amused, but mm-hmm. he's a deeper thinker than I am. Yeah. And he said, and he, he identifies as a geek or nerd, whatever. And he said, I find The Big Bang Theory 
to be akin to blackface for nerds. Oh. Mm. Wow. Right? Yeah. It's like yes. they're putting on the, the, the clothing and the affect of what they think nerd fan culture is yeah. mm-hmm. and then using that to make light of and make fun of rather than embracing. Now they do they do some of the embracing, I guess, but he yeah, really sure. sees it as more of a using that culture that has always been put upon mm-hmm. and then you and using those mannerisms and behaviors and things you love to make those people seem goofy and dumb and, right. and kind of make fun of them. Yeah. So yeah, not all wow. that different than in the eighties having tape on the glasses and the pencil or the pocket. Yep. Pocket protector. Yep. It's the flavor of that. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. Hey, so on uh, Brian's really show, and as I mentioned, look, watch it. Icons on Earth. You find it on Vice. There's a number of different ways to get it. You log onto the Vice website and it tells you, what provider do you have? So you can watch it. I watch mm-hmm. mine through Hulu. But look, mm-hmm. the thing about Brian's show, though, is, again, like I mentioned earlier, not only is the style intriguing and it sort of sucks you in with the narrative style of it, you're going to learn mm-hmm. something you don't know. I'm telling you right now. You could use it at mm-hmm. trivia sometime. Whatever. You're going to learn yes. stuff. Fascinating. <laughs> um, but seeing all that reminds me that once again, it's time to play. Search your feelings. You know it to be true. Oh my. So, you know, one of the things covered <laughs> yes. in the documentary that you're going to learn, a minor spoiler here is that I remember, and I want to know if you guys heard this. When I was a kid, I remember, I have a very specific memory. Now we know memories, you write over them every time you recall them or something and it mm-hmm. gets kind of uh, affected. Mm-hmm. Yep. Being on a city street, just right outside my house on the sidewalk and me and a friend chatting about how, you know, George Lucas has three more movies planned and he has three prequels planned. He already figured it all out. That's why they call it episode four, you know, because he's already has the scripts for nine other movies. And we believe uh, that. Did you guys okay. hear that when you were kids? Absolutely. hundred uh, percent. No. no, I never heard that. Mm-hmm. No. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, I just knew, I knew that Return of the Jedi was coming. Like I knew there was going to be a third movie Mm. after Empire. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things you find out in documentary is it's not true that George Lucas, and and it's kind of obvious the way they explain documentary and you should just watch it, but there's, it's, watch it. There's many reasons, or or maybe there's things that you didn't know uh, that will, when you find out about them, you're like, oh yeah, that can't be true then. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, But um, so what I've got for you here is uh, a few different Rumors about Star Wars. Oh. Some of them you've probably uh-huh. heard, many of you heard. I'm going to ask you to determine whether or not they're true or false. Okay. True okay. or false. Okay. To the best of Will's knowledge. To the best of, <laughs> to the, best of the internet's knowledge. <laughs> okay. Here we go. In A New Hope, Mark Hamill, uh, towards the end of the film, when he's, uh, after he returns after blowing up to Death Star, Mark Hamill accidentally says Carrie. Oh. He's just about to embrace mm. her and you hear, Carrie! Instead of calling her by her character's name. I tend to go with my gut. Like, that sounds like something that could be real, but I don't remember hearing it before. Right, myself. like never heard it. Yeah. So it's true like, that we've never heard it. <laughs> yeah. But is it yeah. a true rumor? Um, I love how uh, you guys take this so seriously. Like, there's money involved. Uh, maybe one of your family members has been captive. Is captive because when captive. we're wrong, you're going to play the noise, and that's demeaning. Oh, maybe I should turn the volume of the noise down. Johnny. Brr, oh, mm. my life. <laughs> is that why you went, oh, boy. When yeah, like, oh, no, it's going to happen again. Okay. Um, okay, I'm going to say, um, I think the rumor is true. Sorry, no. <laughs> That's a great it's actually reaction. false. Okay. Uh, yep. Mark Hamill said <laughs> never that, heard uh, that actually that scene, like much of the film, was probably ADR'd. And uh, so the there was no chance of him saying it accidentally because he didn't record that uh, actual audio until okay. months or weeks after the production yeah. was shut okay. down. Now, he yeah, might have yeah. said it in scene and they covered it up. Maybe that's right. it's partially true. But the no. thing you hear, it seems yeah. to be, Thanks, and this is, yeah. con- this is confirmed <laughs> no by the yeah. uh, Ben Burt, who's the, you know, I'm just... 
amazing sound designer that again, you're going to learn in the documentary how much of a role he played in elevating this film. Right. Yeah. Uh, but Ben Burt confirmed that he believes it was just a cheer. It's like, yay! Instead of, yeah! Or whatever. Anyway. <laughs> All right, here's another one. Okay. That a rare rocket, here's the, here's the rumor, a rare rocket firing Boba Fett was sold in 1979. Oh. Hmm. Verified. 100% confirmed. Final answer. What? <laughs> Bull! I've heard out, of this toy. Yeah, so it turns Seriously? out it existed. Oh, they yeah. actually created it. In fact, a okay. prototype of it sold in 20, uh, 2003 for $16,000. It does exist. But you worded the question it never to trick me. made it. Well, I said it was sold. It was in 1979. I know. See, you yeah. tricked it, me by wording. <laughs> <It> <laughs> I knew it existed. It never made it to the shelves because, and this is, I think, where people confabulate these stories. There was mm -hmm. a similar Battlestar Galactica ship where they had, uh, what's that? Uh, what's the, the, the Cylon Raiders? No, no, the good guy ship. Uh, it's the, oh, uh, the good guys? Uh, Vipers. Viper. Where the Viper actually filed rocket, fired rockets mm -hmm. and it was considered a choking hazard. It got recalled and this scared off uh, production from the rocket firing bubble. <sighs> Oh. But technically, someone has purchased the prototype, so it has been But sold. 979! I said 979! <laughs> you got me. You got me. A lot of technicality. Oh, no, All another right. one. All right, here's another one. Harrison Ford wanted to kill off Han Solo. Oh, oh, that is true. That is a true rumor. Impressive. Yes, it is true. Yay! Now, some people believe that the reason uh, that this is evidenced by the fact that uh, he was frozen in carbonite in The Empire Strikes Back and in the event that he didn't... Uh, decide to come back for Return of the Jedi, Luke is going to kill them off. Now, that part is not true. Even oh, though Harrison okay. wanted to be killed off as early as episodes five or six, Lucas yeah. would have nothing to do with that, and he, he knew he was going to keep him around through uh, the third film. He wasn't letting him leave. No. <laughs> yeah, And Harrison Ford confirmed that during the uh, press junkets for uh, Force Awakens, mm -hmm. you know, where finally yes. he was able to talk about how his, because spoiler alert, his character does die in that film. I felt a little sad that he wanted on Solo to be killed yeah. off. <laughs> it feels like it kind of like disrespects us as fans, right? Right. I I mean, he was my favorite character. Right, right. Here's another one. Uh, oh, okay. boy. <laughs> Don't sound so You want me to stop? I'll stop. No, no, uh, you got to no, lawyer no. through the questions, too. It's like, is it... <laughs> no. Was sold. Listen, it's, right, I'll make oh. this as plain as can be. Rubble. <laughs> there's rubble hidden in space scenes, including a potato and a shoe in the asteroid field above Hoth in Empire Strikes Back. Oh my. So the effects, the uh, VFX. Oh, so, so here's the thing. There. Like, oh, I funny. know that to be true. However, I'm checking to go, but was it over Hoth? Like he's oh, okay. worded no, no, no. it right, so right. specifically. Right. In a Star Wars film. All right, make it <laughs> he's broad. He's like, um, actually it took place over Dagobah. <laughs> it may be, maybe it Future did. Robert maybe knows. it did, yeah, maybe it did, you're right. <laughs> Okay, was there ever rubble in... All right, Sean already said he, he knows it to be true. I believe that's true. Yes. Impressive. Okay. Yes, that is oh. true. Uh, I'm sweating that one because fact, I'm like, I know it's true, but what did Will say to make it false? I'm so nervous. Yeah, in fact, uh, Ken Ralston, one of the legendary folks over at ILM that helped develop by ILM, claims that uh, they also hit a yogurt container and his tennis shoe in Return of the Jedi. <laughs> what? All right, how about this? Uh, the Wampa attack in Empire Strikes nice. Back was only added after Mark Hamill crashed his car prior to production. Oh. So if you remember mm. that Mark had, he had crashed his car in 1977, yes. had to have mm -hmm. facial yes. reconstructive surgery. Yes. The rumor is that uh, George Lucas added the scene to account for the fact that he looked different now. Huh. Hmm. Have oh, you ever heard so that interesting. rumor? I haven't heard that rumor. Oh, okay. I knew about the no. car crash. Mm. I'd right, never heard yeah. the rumor that this is another I, one I, I remember the, when I was a kid. 
I know the Wampa scene got embellished and they added to it because Ugh. it was kind of flat and they added some stuff to it. But okay. I hate that embellishment. Yeah, but I don't... Uh, I feel like it's a false I, rumor. I feel like it's an important part of the film. In some form or fashion, the Wampa is probably, was probably always part of it. What do you think? Yes, yeah, I'm going to go with it. Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah, good. <laughs> nice. Nice logicking there. I was yeah. just using my gut. <laughs> in fact, there's actually a close-up of what Luke looks like of Mark Hamill in the film, even before he's attacked by the Wampa. So if the Wampa is supposed to count mm. for him looking different, we've already seen right. him at, at the beginning of the movie. Right. All yeah. right. And finally, is this a true or false uh, rumor that I don't know if you've ever seen this, but that there is a, there's an unusual looking tops trading card of C-3PO where he looks uh, hmm, very happy. <laughs> What? Shall we say? Ooh, uh, his what? lightsaber looks like it's turned on. Huh. I don't know why I'm. Yeah, this isn't We're a kid's show. We're talking about C3PO? Yeah, it looks like C3PO yes. has an erection, a full robot erection. Robo erection, we call it. Uh, Robo erection. Uh, the rumor is that it was the top's trading card looks that way because the artist who created had a grudge with the company. Now, I'm going to tell you something, guys. I should show, okay. you know what? Let me show you the picture first. Let me show you the picture. Okay. The picture's real. It's a real card. Oh, yeah, it's a real. So I'm sifting through my memories. I know the card is real. I I'm Googling C3PO sucks. erection. I'm <laughs> careful, careful. Safe search on is what you want. <laughs> I think I remembered hearing that it was just like an artifact of the photograph, that it wasn't somebody had a grudge, but I, I, I'd never heard somebody had a grudge, so my inclination is to say it was right, let me, let me not intentional. For, um, oh my goodness gracious! <laughs> what? <laughs> so you wow. see what's going on there? Yes, yes, I see what's going on there. Right, so what do you think, Kat? John says is that on purpose. No, it's it, not what it seems to be. Right? That's what John said. Right. It's it's very um, front and center, though. It's very. Well, um, <laughs> you know how the male anatomy works. I mean, generally, it's <laughs> in the front. And it's that's its job. Fairly centered. Uh, yes. I mean, some people say something about to the left or to the right, but that's not about where it's attached. <laughs> I I have no other images Ideally. of C-3PO in my head that include that. All right, yes. <laughs> You're right. No, the official Star Wars website says that it was actually a drooping piece of robot costume, which is what I refer to my penis as. So that actually doesn't really tell us anything. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Beady, 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 beat. Okay, Buck. <laughs> was that the same? Of, now that seems to be the sound of. <laughs> wait, what was that character's name? Uh, Tweaky. 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 That sounds like Tweaky masturbating now, right? Now I'm really? always going to think about it that way. <laughs> no blank. Oh All right. God. All right. Hey, guys, this is, look, another, we managed to have another classy setup right before we bring out a guest. And boy, is his team going to be excited about this. Speaking of robo erections. Yes. All right. Hey. Our guest he, is here. He has a history in comedy. He, I'm sure he'll be fine. I now, hope he listens to this. Pissed. What'd you say, Kat? I hope he listens to this. Oh, he's not going to listen. No, but no one ever oh, w- listens to it. I oh. wouldn't if I were him. But a publicist might and be like, all right, he's never going on that show again. That's done. We need a retraction. Yeah. Because next step, next time we have him on, I'm going to tell you something about Chewbacca you never heard oh, of. Don't say anything about Chewie. I have these photos. No, no. Don't you do that to, my, to Chewie. Oh, I'm tossing out a bunch of stuff again. All right. Hey, in a moment, we'll be right back with our guest, Brian Volkweiss.
special thanks to Atlas Neon for sharing that clip from their latest track, Maverick 2077. For more 1980s-inspired synthwave, follow Atlas Neon on Instagram or Spotify. Hey, long before our guest made his mark with two hit documentary series on Netflix, he had already produced and directed comedy specials for some of the most popular stand-up comedians of the last few decades. In fact, 21 of the comedy albums produced by our guest have been nominated for Grammys, and four of those earned him the coveted award. But we first became aware of our guest's work as the creator of the wildly popular Netflix shows The Toys That Made Us and its spinoff, The Movies That Made Us. And now he has once again brought us a fresh and always entertaining look at another favorite from our childhood, his latest documentary series, Icons Unearthed. Star Wars is now available on Vice TV through your cable provider. Please welcome to the show the founder and CEO of the Nacelle Company, Brian Volkweiss. Hey, Brian. Hello. Thank you for having me. Hello. Welcome. Hey, it's a hi great there. pleasure. My goodness. There's so many things we could talk to you about. Uh, we <laughs> love uh, the toys that made us, the movies that made us. Uh, and now, of course, we're going to talk to you about your, your latest a documentary series, uh, Icons on Earth, which focuses on Star Wars, at least this time around. I suspect there may be other. Uh, mm-hmm. Yes, yeah, season two uh, already picked up, The Simpsons. Ooh, Very good. Wow. Okay. Yeah, comes out in October. That's great. Had awesome. to be something that we've loved from our, you know, youths. Um, <laughs> Now I note though you're you're, you're uh, look that now that you certainly in the last several years have been focusing on these you know bits of uh, I guess uh, history from our youths, um, but you know your career is many many years of working in comedy, working with comedians. How is it was 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 what you're doing more often today? Because I know you're still doing that some of that work. What you always wanted to do, or is it something that you? Just, or how did you find your way there if it wasn't, I suppose? So, it's, you know, it's a little crazy, but, um, <laughs> and again, I like, I can prove this because, <laughs> oh. you know, one of the things in the Star Wars, and by the way, I'm just using this organically. I'm not trying to get a conversation back to icons, but I swear to you, I'm not. I swear to you, I'm not. Um, but one of the things, if anyone watches the show, you'll notice repeatedly, Marshall Lucas is kind of making the joke like, I never heard George say anything about nine <laughs> Star Wars movies. Yeah. I, uh, I never right. even heard him talk about two. Oh my gosh, so yes. I'm very mindful of not, I don't want to, so I, my point is what I'm about to say, I can prove. Okay. You can look <laughs> at interviews I've been doing for the last 15 years. You can look on Instagram. I, this is provable because it may seem crazy, but <laughs> it is true. Um a lot of people come out here to may, you know, become a direct by here. I mean, Los Angeles sure. um, to become a director or a writer or an actor or whatever. Uh, I always uh, came out here to build a studio. That was always my goal. I, my high school yearbook, like I mentioned it, like that was always the goal. Mm-hmm. And I've always been a, an amateur historian about Hollywood. So I understood how the studios built themselves. And there were certain business, not business models, but I couldn't replicate what Walt Disney did because Walt Disney had Walt 
And I'm, I ain't Walt, to put it mildly. <laughs> um, so I, I couldn't replicate what Walt Disney did. And I'm not going to sit here and explain to you why every studio I could do X or I couldn't do Y. But the story that caught my attention, and this is in high school, by the way, the story that caught my attention was what Warner Brothers did. And what Warner Brothers did that most people have long forgotten was, you know, Warner's, these four brothers literally bought another company called, and it was this guy named Max Sennett, and the Warner Brothers bought Max Sennett's company. Max Sennett owned uh, a lot of things. The thing you may have heard of was the Keystone Cops. Yeah. And the yeah. Keystone Cops were these short films that came out before the movies. And like I said, it wasn't just the Keystone Cops. It was hundreds of these short films. And the Warner Brothers that would exist probably, I guess I would argue, by the late 1920s or mid-1930s, where they were actually making movies and the studio that is now directly related to the Warner brothers. That's putting out Batman movies in 2022. Mm -hmm. That studio was built on that max Senate camp uh, library. So I knew coming out to Hollywood, I would have to build a library. I didn't know how to do it. I didn't know what to do it. Like Mm -hmm. I had no idea but I at least I had the idea that I knew I had to build a library. So that's exhibit A. <laughs> <laughs> Your Honor, if it please the court. As I, as I ramble for an hour, I apologize. Um, exhibit B, which I promise you will be a lot shorter, is um, I completely randomly fell into stand-up comedy. Like I've loved Star Wars since I was three. I literally went to one stand-up show in my life before I graduated college. And I was like dragged to it, kicking and screaming. And I left early. Um, But what I realized, I randomly ended up at this tiny company that only managed comedians. um, And I just needed a paycheck. I mean, I was broke. That's why I took the job. Like it literally had nothing to do with anything. This was all random. Um, and I went to the comedy club and I saw the comedians doing their thing. And like I said, I just needed a paycheck. And then that company made a stand-up special. And I suddenly was like, this could be my Keystone Cops. Oh. So over time, I built a stand-up comedy library. That stand-up comedy library between the ones we made and the libraries we've acquired, I mean, it's now over 2,000 stand-up specials wow. that generate money every day because we're a distributor now too. The money from that is now funding Icons Unearthed. Mm-hmm. So we own Icons Unearthed. We right. license it to companies like Vice right. or mm-hmm. um, in Germany, ProSieben, whatever. So same, you know, we put a show out last year called the center seat, 55 years of star Trek, same thing. So the idea is uh, you saw it. I saw it twice. Yes. I loved it. It's the exact same model where we license that. And thank you for watching. And thank you for that. Um, But so we are using the same model with the stand-up specials on our documentaries 
And then the next step, step three, which hopefully will be coming next year or the year after, we'll be doing scripted films and then scripted mm. TV using the exact same model we were using with the stand-up specials. Mm -hmm. Will, you asked this question, not me. So I'm regretting if, if it. I'm yes. going on too long, it's your fault. Um, but um, I'm jealous of your hair. So I'm that's my no payback. Everybody is. Rambling. It's not just you. I'm just rambling now to talk to you because you have a good head of hair. But um, my point, I'll tell you, read Richards from now on. Um, but my point is, um, it was, don't, don't take this the wrong way. Like I love stand up. I'm addicted to it now. Mm -hmm. I have an entire collection of stand up comedy memorabilia going back to 1909, but I always knew it was the first step Whoa. to what was hopefully coming. Wow. I think I talked for 12 minutes straight. I apologize. Yeah, thanks for joining us uh, in conclusion. <laughs> <laughs> so when you said, you know, when you said about starting a studio, and in your interest in history that goes back, I was thinking you were going to say your goal was to do the standup was to do what you're doing today, fund what you're doing today. But so your goal when you left high school then was to do scripted work ultimately. I wanted to build yeah, just a yes or no. What's that? <laughs> just a yes or no. No. I, I mean, the answer is yes, but I mean, it, it, I wanted to try to build Warner Brothers. That's yeah, the goal. No, I, I hear you. Yeah. Now you may not want to tell us. Maybe you can't tell us, but knowing oh. what you you know what you did not too long ago with the, the Toyfinity with the license for RoboForce, is the scripted work going to be involving licenses from uh, you know properties that we again sort of we grew up with? Absolutely, we are. Yes. All right. That's <laughs> no, good we news. Are, we are actively developing um, mm -hmm. RoboForce as a TV show. Um, Where. Wow. Uh, we've actually already sold, we, we did a deal for a very well-known piece of IP. We actually sold it. And then there were legal problems with the company we had gotten the rights from where they apparently may not have owned the rights. Mm. Had oh. that thing not happened, you would already be aware we had set up an 80s property at a major network. Oh. Uh, we are very close to two other, we're negotiating a deal right now with a major studio that if the deal closes and it's a jump ball, uh, but if the deal <laughs> closes, um, that'll be the first time we've taken a piece of IP you've heard of mm. that literally hasn't seen the light of day in 40 years. Wow. Um, and it's now set up at a, one of the most powerful entertainment companies on earth. Wow. That yeah. is super that's, that's the plan. For mm. All right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Well, Hey, we'll have to wait anxiously to, so uh, I suppose you have a question, John. <laughs> no, I was just hoping it was the greatest American hero, but that was it. Oh, okay. well, <laughs> oh that's a good one. That is spoken for, unfortunately. I know. Wow. Yeah. That's been in development hell for so long. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have a list here, Brian. I'm just going to name a bunch of things from the eighties and see if I can get a read from you. <laughs> I was going to make a joke, but I get in trouble for that. <laughs> oh, no. well, you may reveal too well, much. Okay. <laughs> Blink if I get to it. All right. All right. Raise um, your coffee. So, cup. you know, <laughs> look, one of the things we love about your documentary series is that, um, and thinking about the made us series and, and on, and the uh, icons on earth as well mm -hmm. is the, uh, sense of humor that's throughout it. Is oh, that related gosh. to your love, love of it. comedy? Yes. hundred yeah. percent. So I was, tr I tried to sell toys that made us for seven years and I couldn't sell it. It was the most unbelievably lucky thing in the world. Uh, there was a guy at Netflix named Devin 
Devin was the guy I did stand-up comedy deals with, and he was in the acquisition department. Mm. Because like I said, we don't sell our content. We just license it. Mm-hmm. One day, and we had become friends, like real friends. Like his wife and my wife became friends. We'd hang out, all hang that out. stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that's relevant because he had been to my house and seen my toy collection. Oh. <laughs> Which, fun fact... Uh, that toy collection, when he came to my house, was probably, let's go crazy and say it was 600 pieces. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. The toys that made us was greenlit. And today is now uh, probably close to 3,800 pieces. Wow. That's so I blame Devin. My wife blames Devin. If Devin's listening, <laughs> damn you, Devin. Uh, but actually not damn you, Devin, because... Devin calls me up one day and he goes, Hey man, I'm now in charge of unscripted for Netflix. Uh, do you have any ideas? Wow. And Ooh. the reason I rambled about him coming to my house was because mm-hmm. uh, Will's like, he's going off topic again. You don't have um, to justify yourself, Brian. Nope. I was worried. Yeah. Going. We'll take care of Will. You do. Um, <laughs> but uh, no, Will would be right to be w- w- scratching his beautiful head of hair. Um, but the reason it was relevant was um, I had been trying to sell the show for seven years. The reason most people didn't buy it, it was, to, first of all, people didn't understand toys, how popular they were, which is really weird. But but just looking at the dollar amount of what they generated per year, I don't know why anyone could doubt pe- people like toys. Yeah. <laughs> the main problem was I was viewed as a comedy guy and a stand-up comedy guy. So it was like, History Channel, understandably, and both History Channel and Nat Geo were millimeters away from buying it. Mm -hmm. And both of them didn't buy it because why would the stand, why would we give millions of dollars to the stand up comedy guy Mm -hmm. like to do a show about toys? So that guy, Devin, because he saw my collection, which from his point of view, the way executives look at this, I was an expert. Which I was, yeah. uh, not really, not compared to most toy collectors, but from his point of view, he's a big basketball sports guy. Um, but from his point of view, I was a toy expert and he knew me and he trusted me. And that's, we were literally the first or second Netflix green light in, of all time. Mm. Um, and by the way, season three of Netflix is the first pickup in unscripted Netflix history. Movies that made us is the first spinoff of any kind in Netflix history. Wow. I'm not telling you this to brag. I'm telling you this to make the point. Mm -hmm. We got there early Mm -hmm. and we're there early because of the stand-up comedy and entree. So back to Will's question. um, When the show got greenlit after seven years of trying to sell it, it, Mm -hmm. I had that cliched moment of, Oh shit. Now I got to make it. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so to quote the, the film, classic film, Silence of the Lambs. Mm. You remember the big clue at the end of the movie that Hannibal gave Clarice that allowed her to put the puzzle together. You covet what you see every day. Mm-hmm. So who do I hire? Right. I only <laughs> knew comedy people. <laughs> so a, I hired the people I knew, but, and that's exhibit A again. Yeah. Exhibit B, I don't know. I must be in lawyer mode today. Uh-huh. And I'm not a lawyer. But <laughs> the other thing that happened was I am a huge, since college, documentary buff. 
Like I would see when it was hard to do like 10 documentaries or more a year in movie theaters in the nineties. Like I was that guy. That is weird. (laughs) And one of the things I noticed was there were so many documentaries about fun topics that treated them like the rise and fall of the third Reich. Yeah. And yeah. they're yeah. like, we're not the first company to make a documentary about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles or mm-hmm. He-Man. I'm not shitting on those other docs, yep. but if you watch them, like, listen, just listen to the music. You're literally watching a documentary about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> and it's like, bum, bum, bum. <laughs> I'm like, so as soon as we got greenlit, I was like, yeah. And by the way, the other thing I need to mention, Netflix, they literally were like, let's green light uh, 300 shows simultaneously. (laughs) So they truly, when we started delivering cuts, I have always wondered if people there were like, did we order this? (laughs) I mean, and that's the long way of saying we got no notes. I mean, we got nothing. Really? So all of this is important because, A, I had a lifetime of not wanting to take a fun topic and make it serious. I had a network with unlimited resources not paying attention to me. Um, (laughs) And it just and it was like literally the billionth of a millimeter of the explosion of Netflix becoming Netflix. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. You know, it all came at the same time. This is going to sound like I'm blowing sunshine up your skirt, but really is a question. And, you know, we'll ask about, you know, the the humor, which is so important that you were just speaking to, but there's something else that I I hope you can, this is clearly intentional and maybe it's because of, you know, your, your history as a toy collector, but in addition to the humor, you walk this fine line between humor and reverence it, nothing nothing is poking fun, whether it's the Star Trek doc or the movies, the toys, which I loved, which, by the way, I'm like, what's in the next toy season? I'm not watching Barbie. I love the Barbie one. Even yeah. the one I don't have a personal attachment to, right. that, that the entertainment value between mm-hmm. humor and reverence and never poking fun, but letting you in on the joke. How do you find that balance? It's just, it's amazing. That's why I love all your work. First of all, again, thank you. It's still very weird to hear people say that. Um, but, um, I'm actually, I'm very serious. Um, but, um, it, it so uh, we don't call it rep. So first of all, there are two answers. Uh, apparently everything in this interview is pairs. So answer one, we don't pick topics that we're not excited about. Mm-hmm. So I, I probably, and again, I probably shouldn't that seems say evident. It, but yeah. I've said it already at other interviews. So I'll say it here. Cause I get asked a lot. Are you going to do more episodes of Icons on Earth for Star Wars? Mm-hmm. My answer is, if I could do Rogue One. Um, <laughs> yes. Um, the good ones. Yes. Force Awakens <laughs> and Solo. Mm-hmm. Solo. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I wouldn't do a documentary about Last Jedi. Arise. I wouldn't yeah. do a documentary about Book of Boba Fett. Mm-hmm. because we don't punch down. And that's a stand-up comedy expression. Like mm-hmm. I learned that from my comedy background. Right. Okay. We don't punch down. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. The second mm-hmm. thing is, I appreciate you using the word reverence. The word we use is, so everything has to be about comedy. 
And I am the least artsy fartsy dude you'll ever meet. <laughs> I'm, I mean, I'm a McDonald's Waffle House kind of guy in every category. But for whatever reason, this is an artsy fartsy word that really resonated with me since high school. Pathos. Yeah. It's all about pathos. Yeah. And just to make sure nobody starts to think I'm an artsy fartsy guy, let me tell you my version of how we use pathos. Mm -hmm. um, I call it the Robocop. <laughs> and if you now I'm telling you this, you will see this in every show we make. Okay. Like I'm giving away to magic here. Do you oh, remember yeah. the scene in Robocop where as Robocop, he goes back to his old house mm -hmm. and it's completely empty and it keeps flashing back and forth yep. between him as the Frankenstein monster, two ton piece of metal mm -hmm. and his wife in a bathrobe, you know, kissing right. him, his kid looking up to him like that's mm. sometimes it's yeah. less subtle than other times. But if you watch the Star Wars episode of Toys That Made Us, I mean, they could sue us for stealing <laughs> that scene. I mean, because if you remember, because yeah. I'm sure you watch it every single day, we cut back, you know, we sure. filmed in the old Kenner building right. that's yep. now an empty, deserted floor in the Kroger building in that Cincinnati. Scary, yeah. And by the grace of God, a lot of these people that worked there took a lot of pictures of the office. So we were able to literally fade yeah. between our footage and their footage mm -hmm. while we had two of the people that were there walking literally right yeah. out of RoboCop. Yeah. Wow. So, right. wow. Oh my gosh. We're not always that literal. Mm -hmm. and by the way, watch the RoboCop movies that made us. Mm -hmm. I mean, right. it's okay. like, what do the kids <laughs> call it now? What is that meta? Yeah. Meta. Yes, yeah. Meta. We literally did it with Ed Newmeyer. Ed Newmeyer's walking <laughs> through the office space right. where they filmed the conference room scene. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, that anyway. So, it's not always literal, mm -hmm. but it's in everything we do. Mm. If you watch um, Behind the Attraction, the show we do on Disney Plus about the parks, watch the end of the Small World episode where we basically switch, we use the song mm -hmm. um, as this device that takes us from the 60s up until 2019. And that cast member, um, who ironically, her last name is Batu. Oh. Uh, that's the name of the planet from mm -hmm. Galaxy's uh -huh. Edge. Um, but her singing, we used to build a RoboCop moment out of... Um, out of uh, what do you call it? Um, out of small world, small mm -hmm, world. Mm -hmm, yeah. Mm -hmm. gotcha. So that one's an example of a less yeah. subtle version. But if you ever find yourself crying at anything we make, that's what we're doing. Mm. I only cry when they're over. But yep. yeah, I get what you're <laughs> more, more. Encore. It's like time travel. You're time traveling our feelings. <laughs> that's yep. what we're trying to do. Because what we're trying to do is, and that's why we called the show the movies that made us or the toys that made us because. And I don't think this is narcissism as a society. I think it makes sense. Like we want to connect the topic of our show to you. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Like we don't want to be like, hey, you need to respect this movie because it's good. We don't mm -hmm. do that. That yeah. doesn't work.
Mm-hmm. We want to show you. Mm-hmm. And it's so funny, John, you you made a comment that it, it's so interesting where you said earlier, like I skipped the Barbie episode and then I went back and I love the Barbie. episode. Yeah. So when toys came out season one, we got thousands of comments like that. Yeah, wow. really. Yeah. About six months later, we started getting again. Season two hadn't even come out yet. Mm-hmm. We started getting comments. It, it literally was about six months later. You know, one day we got one. The next day we got two. The next day we got six. And then it started being thousands of people saying, yo, I skipped Barbie. Big mistake. First of all, it might be the best episode. Second of all, you will like the He-Man episode better if you've seen the Barbie episode. <laughs> yes, because they're and intertwined in many that's ways. By aren't they? Design. Yeah. I mean, we always intentionally create arcs that mm-hmm. it's very mm-hmm. manipulative. We're trying to get you to watch the whole series. Right. But the other reason, going back to what I was saying about the blank, blank, blank that made us, mm-hmm. I, listen, I never owned a Barbie fucking anything until I made the show. And now I've, <laughs> I, I, 3, I, Barbies. I, yeah. have like, I have at least 10 Barbie dolls now. Yeah. So I try to do for the audience what it did for me. Where I want you, if you're the biggest Barbie fan, I want you to like the episode. If you don't give a shit about He-Man, I want, and that happened to me too. Mm-hmm. I didn't own any mm-hmm. He-Man, anything. I didn't even want to do the episode. Oh. The crew literally took me aside and at a meeting and we're like, Brian, we have to do He-Man. Here's mm-hmm. why. Yeah. And huh. I always make the joke that like, because I do a lot of press, I'm viewed as a toy expert. And for most people, yes, I'm a toy expert, but there are real toy experts sure. and I am not one of them. So <laughs> my crew, they, a lot of them were toy experts. So they broke it down to me why it's important to do He-Man. So when we were making He-Man and same thing with Barbie, I am looking for a moment and I call it a spinal column moment. I am looking for a moment that I don't care if you are the biggest He-Man fan alive or if you're like me and you wanted nothing to do with (laughs) He-Man that you would see that and be excited. And by the way, now I have over a hundred He-Man figures in my collection. (laughs) And that moment in He-Man was when the guy said, just put a fucking saddle on it. Yeah. Like that, that, and it, it didn't surprise me that that line became famous because I understood immediately when I heard it, it symbolized He-Man. And not only did it symbolize He-Man, it was something that anybody can relate to, mm-hmm. which is the randomness of success. Mm-hmm. Everything about He-Man was like, so Barbie was about Ruth Handler. Ruth Handler was, and again, everybody can relate to a strong underdog, what I like to call a nobody from nowhere, Mm -hmm. which was originally used to describe President Grant. So Ruth Handler was a nobody from nowhere who Mm -hmm. literally, and again, not to get all whatever, but at a time when uh, there were too many women running shit, um, not only is it nobody from nowhere, uh, the, the builds the, depending on what year it was, the biggest or the second biggest toy company on earth. Um, 
And it was just, that's what we got everybody hooked on. Not that she was a woman, not that it was like, oh, Barbie sometimes wore pink, sometimes she wore blue. And again, with He-Man, it wasn't about sometimes he used lasers, sometimes he used swords. Mm-hmm. We found these human moments yes. that anybody could relate to. Yeah. And that's, I think, what you're referring to, John. At least yeah. from our point of view, you nail it. It's 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 the personal stories that are behind the things that you you kind of thought you knew, or the case of Barbie that I didn't care about, and I'm like, well, now I do care, or now I do know, and if yeah. I loved it, I love it more after seeing your pieces, and if I didn't, I have a new respect for it that I never thought I would have, and it's just it's remarkable. That's what we that's what we and by the way, by the time season two of Toys came out, literally the day of the premiere, people were like. I just watched season two. It's awesome. And don't be an idiot and skip my little pony. Well, skip my little pony. I didn't. Skip I learned my, my lesson. Yeah. And then when movies that made us came out, it was already, this was the best thing ever. Uh, a, don't skip dirty dancing. Dirty <laughs> dancing was my favorite episode. So it's, it, it really is this, I try, my wife isn't into any of this shit. Like she's not a geek. She's like, she like, I'll never forget. She was, when we were dating, she was like walking through the room. I was watching some, of course, next generation. And she was like, did he just say Kardashian? Like that's, that's me and my wife. So like I try to make these shows so that she could sit next to me and enjoy them. Mm-hmm. So that, and again, if there's anything that I don't know if this is true or not, but if we, if there's any special sauce that we have, mm-hmm. yep. it's, I'm always trying to make it so it works for the crazy fans mm-hmm. and it works for someone who doesn't know anything about it. Well, and I suppose pivoting to icons unearthed here. Thank you. Uh, I also want to mention you do a great John impersonation. Don't skip my little pony. You hey. <laughs> That's perfect. Uh, but talking about icons unearthed, to be quite honest with you, I thought, what more could a Star Wars nerd like me learn? And there was a lot more. Uh, first of all, like you said, it's evident how you, you, everything's a narrative story. So, you know, starting off the first episode with George Lucas was a boy when the second mm-hmm. episode, Marshall Lucas, mm-hmm. sucked me in. And then there's so much more to learn. I couldn't even believe it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and along those lines, many, many episodes ago, we talked about Marshall Lucas, who's like this unsung hero of the Star Wars films. And I think right? you notice Empire is one of my favorite films of all time, but Empire, then Jedi, you notice, and then the prequels, something changed, you know, mm-hmm. from Star Wars. How did mm-hmm. you, but all but, Marshall Lucas has been, not only is she sort of, Lucas is sometimes, maybe you don't want to say this, but uh, not credited, that's not the right word, because I need a word for, some, for doing something bad, but essentially changing or writing her out of history. Mm-hmm. Um, how did you get this woman who otherwise hasn't really participated in these uh, huh. documentaries to do an on-camera interview? So- Basically, if you look at the credits of episode six of Icons on Earth Mm -hmm. and you look at the credits of season one of Toys That Made Us, they're probably 60 percent the same, maybe Mm -hmm. 70 percent. So we've been in production for six years now straight making shows like this. Yeah. So. We have a great research team and we have a great casting director. 
And casting director, I hate that term in documentaries because this isn't really about casting. Um, mm -hmm. So, but anyway, she finds people. And mm -hmm. the, the thing about making shows like this, now that we've been doing it for a while, who they are in the pecking order of Hollywood is almost 0% relevant as to if they will do our show or not. Okay. Sigourney Weaver for the Aliens episode couldn't have been easier. Uh -huh. uh, getting the second AD of Aliens, we failed to get him. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs> well, with Marsha, what happened was we were interviewing. Uh, I, I, uh, I don't want to get it wrong. Okay. I don't, it was oh. it, it wasn't John Dykstra, but it was it was one of the big. It was one of the ILM special effect guys, and they I don't want to get it wrong. Or, uh, but it was yeah, it was one of them. It was okay. one of them, and. Um, after the and we had interviewed him before, like three or four times for other shows. Mm -hmm. So at the end of the interview, you know, he's taking off his mic and he's like, hey, you know, who's your white whale this time? <laughs> and I'm like, well, you know, of course, Marsha. Uh -huh. Like, oh, I know Marsha. Who are you talking to? And we were like, oh, you know, we're talking to the agent and the manager and da da da. But not the manager, but whatever, lawyer, mm -hmm. whatever. He's like, yeah, no, no, no. You got to talk to so and so. Oh, we're like who's so and so? He's like, doesn't matter. Here's her number. Wow. So <laughs> nice. <laughs> it took about, I think it took about two weeks of back and forth. And then one day I woke up, it was a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. I was scheduled to fly to New York that day at 3 p.m. And I woke mm -hmm. up, I look at my phone and I have an email that says, um, Marsha has agreed to do it. Ooh. She's available tomorrow and for the next nine days. Oh. At two o'clock, I was on a flight to Hawaii, which is where she was. Because with people like her, you don't fuck around. No. Like, right. Yeah. <laughs> I, like I wanted her people to know. Yeah. We just booked a plane ticket. Yep. yep. The plane just took off. Right. No backing out. <laughs> Cancel now. There's this is like, happening. You're, yeah. you're, you're, you're fucking, a, you're fucking someone over. Um, so six hour interview. Um, I mean, literally six hours. Wow. I had like a U-shaped ring around my collar, soaking wet from tears. I mean, oh, it wow. was, I mean, and to your point, I mean, yeah, this is not an opinion. It's a fact. She was written out of Star Wars history mm -hmm. by the grace of God. I'm not divorced. I've never been through a divorce. But as with everybody who's never been divorced, I got a lot of friends who have been divorced. That's not a pleasant experience. Right. Mm -hmm. So, again, is it cool that George Lucas excommunicated and erased this editor? If you look at her as just an editor, yeah. mm -hmm. is that cool? No, it's horrific. Yeah. Right. You ever talk to somebody who didn't want to get divorced and their spouse left them? Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're usually pretty broken people. Oh, yeah. So yes. I'm not defending what George did. It was wrong. But I understand right. where he was coming from. And, you know, again, it's in the show. If you've seen the show, you've seen it. But mm -hmm. listen, I didn't ask her straight up. Do you still love him? That's not the kind of show we make. Mm -hmm. But I mean, obviously, there's still a connection. Sure. And she confirmed a lot of rumors. That's the one of the biggest compliments we get. And the most frequent is. Mm -hmm. Yes, you had a lot of new information, mm -hmm. but you also confirmed a lot of things yeah. that have been rumors for 45 years. Right. Yeah. 
So that was pretty cool. And by the way, I feel bad for him because Marsha gets all the credit, but uh, wow. Howard Kazanjian gives away equal amounts of scoop. Uh-huh. Like he, yep. And I'll be completely honest with you. I forgot. I, I didn't even notice that myself. And then um, a, a guy who I barely exaggerate when I say makes me look like I've never even heard of Star Wars. Uh, <laughs> he, he pointed that out to me and he said, he's like, listen, you have every right to be proud of getting Marsha and Marsha had mind boggling nuggets of knowledge. But mm-hmm. don't forget Howard, because he mm-hmm. drops shit that was like mm-hmm. mind blowing. Mm-hmm. And the thing that is funny, I guess they call it bittersweet, but. We got that story first that mm-hmm. Fox was trying to get mm-hmm. rid of and battle. And then, of course, the A plus brilliant mm-hmm. Disney plus ILM documentary. The light magic, right? They had that story. Yeah. They had that story too, but we beat them by uh, <laughs> six weeks. Woohoo. But the irony <laughs> is, nobody has known that story for 45 years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we broke it six weeks early. Um, but, uh, but yeah, anyway, I love, love, love all of, of the visuals and sound bites and the clips that are incorporated into it, you know, for each topic and even the sounds like the, you know, oh, it's like yeah. a film slowing down, <laughs> right. and, you know, no it's like you coming. think, da, 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 da. yeah, <laughs> it's hilarious. And it's your documentary about editing is extremely well edited <laughs> and and the narrator's voice like oh did, yeah we didn't oh even God. mention it just, michael pennington yeah. um, star wars I, royalty I, this you know this day and age what i'm about to say it, it's so cliched and i'm i'm always trying to find a way to say this so it doesn't sound cliched and unfortunately for everybody the best way i've learned to do it is to ramble with the preface that <laughs> i'm not saying this lightly All right, exhibit a you, that's a good callback. Um, <laughs> obviously, doing interviews like this, I can't sit here with 20 people. Right. I am a part of a team. Yes. And that's why I go out of my way to say, if you look at our credits now, it's more than half Ben Frost, Alyssa Michek, Robin Henry, Ian Romaine, you, Brenda Carlson, like, what you just described, Kat, mm-hmm. I didn't f- like one of the biggest moments from Toys That Made Us is the guy going bong, bong <laughs> in the He-Man episode. Right. That one, I didn't notice that. Okay. That was yep. an editor named Nick Farrell. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's very important to me to make this point because I see these people. I talk to these people every day and it's not fair to them. Mm-hmm. That when someone like you, Kat, makes a comment like that, for me to just nod and smile and say, oh, yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> I have very little to do with that. I give notes. I add jokes. Mm-hmm. I give my part. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. But there is an army of very talented and very funny editors that mm-hmm. are that I am standing in a group photo of. Right on. No doubt. Please tell them. My comments. I think <laughs> it's uh, a great experience watching. We'll send them your compliments. I think Brian, in another forty years, we're going to have a, the documentaries that made us, and we'll find out who really made your shows look good because it wasn't you. 
Who's your Marshall Lucas? A lot. They should listen to this interview because I just I, I I was just I just named the names that should speed up their research. Right, okay. uh, Very good. <laughs> hey, we want to thank you for your time today. And again, folks, I, I appreciate the yours. I appreciate the update on that. But we're going to tell folks to 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 certainly to run out there and find out how they can watch us on Vice. I watched it through Hulu. Mm-hmm. Uh, Icons on Earth, Star Wars. Thank you so much, Brian, for your time today. And th- again, because you've done a better job than me plugging my own show. Yeah. We were picked up for season two. And yes. the Simpsons, mm-hmm. Icons on Earth, Simpsons is coming out in October. Oh, uh-huh. really? Oh, soon. Okay. Another thing oh, that yeah. began in the 1980s, too. All right. Very good. That's right. Yay. But thank you. This was a lot of fun. We could have talked to Brian for, I don't know, hours. And not just because he's a very ver- verbose fellow, which I appreciate mm-hmm. because, boy, he's got yeah. a lot of info, a lot of experience, a lot of history. But so many yes. things that he's been involved in, I just want to learn more about and praise and, yeah. Yep, I enjoyed his delivery of all that information. Yeah, that was great. I realized I should have said Exhibit A. He knows a lot, has a you know a lot of experience. Exhibit B, he produces great content. Mm-hmm. Speaking of producing great content, mm-hmm. our show is brought to you every week by some people like our early adopters, Kathy Burke, yes. Rick Parker, and Karen Flieger. Oh. And mm-hmm. thanks especially to our secret of our success level Patreon supporters, mm-hmm. John Henderson, Craig Coletta. John Kaminsky, and our newest supporter, Marcus Taylor. (laughs) Welcome, Marcus. Thank you. So wonderful. You know, a vacuum was created when John joined the show, and Marcus Mm -hmm. just stepped right in. And I want to say that Marcus also won trivia this week, but uh, he did. It's going to seem like the fix is in. Because it's already seemed like that in a couple of times. Well, I, I, yeah, I was gonna say I've observed that. Uh, you know, hmm. folks that listen to our show tend to win. The game is not right. rigged. It's just either they're learning stuff on the show, or they just mm-hmm. the kind mm-hmm. of folks who appreciate our kind of content know mm-hmm. a lot about the 1980s, or are the kind of folks who know their pop culture trivia and appreciate <laughs> fifty bucks when they see it. <laughs> Like your mom? What about your mom? What did you say? Sorry. Beedy, 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 I don't know. It just felt okay, like a good time but... for your mother joke. <laughs> okay. Hey, hey, enough with the mothers. Enough yeah. with the mothers, eh? All right. Hey, we, next week we will not be talking about your mom, but we will be back with other content that'll help you, you don't succeed know that. on a 19, 1980s uh, trivia. Uh, when we uh, talk to you again next time on 1980s Now. Next time. Bye-bye. <laughs>